You were listening to episode 86 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John. I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we confusingly race battle our way through today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Yeah, so dude, I was not a huge fan of today's Inflation Deflation Challenge IGPX Immortal Grand Prix on the PS2. Uh, it's based off of an anime series that was on Toonami. Ryan totally had to go and like show me all these Toonami trailers earlier. Oh yeah. Oh dude, it was so many amazing memories from from Toonami and DBZ and everything else. That came yeah, up on yeah. There. It's it's one of those things where like I'm not even super nostalgic about this franchise, but just like that whole time and setting. It is such a big deal in my life that I would, we'll get to it later. Yeah, we'll get to it later. So uh, this week we're going to be talking about a few different things. We've got uh, an article on E3 facing an uncertain future as publishers pull out. Uh, Square Enix is supposed to be announcing some more titles this uh, this coming month, and or really July and August. And then the PS5 is massive. So we have seen a photo, allegedly, of a PS5 in manufacturing. And uh, it looks pretty huge, so we'll go into that in a little bit, too. But first... But first, uh, pickups. Did you pick up anything? So, I did not pick up anything. Surprise, surprise. No, well, actually, technically, sort of, what I did was, I went on my Vita and I downloaded some games that I had, like, added to my library previously, but hadn't actually installed. So, I installed... um, Steam World Dig, mm-hmm. and didn't play it, but I did re-download The Swindle, and I played some of that, and that's a fun game. I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast before. Swindle? Yeah, The Swindle. So it's a, it's a roguelite game where you have uh, basically a hundred days to like try to get out of town and you're a burglar like there's going to be some like new system that's going to stop all burglary from being possible so you've got like 100 days to try to stop it or get all your money and get out of town or something like that but basically each mission is like a day and all you're doing is like it's a sort of like a a randomized metroidvania like not a big connected world but that same kind of scrolling labyrinth uh, but it's like a house and you try to get in and steal the money and knock out the robot security guards and hack the terminals to get more money and <clears throat> you use the money to level up your skills and equipment you get like bombs so that you can go into previously like you couldn't get two areas but like it's not like you're going back to the same map each mission is like a randomly generated map so you try to get as much as you can and get out and get back to your ship and stockpile your money and get as many, you know, upgrades and stuff as you can before time runs out. And I played a little bit of this game in the past. It's pretty fun. It's kind of like a nice distraction. It's like uh, getting me away from the card games. Actually, you know what? I did pick up something. I got Slay the Spire for iPad because it just came out for iPad. I thought you were going to get that for Nintendo Switch. 
yeah i was but then it came out for ipad and i was like i don't have any good games on my ipad so i'm gonna get a really good game that i won't ever need to really get another game does for iPad. anyone have any good games on their ipad though Is that i a mean thing? you know what go back and listen to our uh, apple arcade versus the vectrix arcade system and you tell me john that's true. So uh, as Ryan has just said, you can find our podcast on uh, various applications, Podcast Addict, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, you name it, we're on there. GameDeflators.com. TheGameDeflators.com. And of course, find us on social media. So Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We've got at TheGameDeflators on Facebook and Instagram and at GameDeflators on Twitter because they just can't handle the... At us. At us. Uh, okay, so my pickups, dude. Uh, I just got one. I got uh, Gun Valkyrie on the xbox it's a cool box yeah it's a cool box it's one i've had my eye on for quite a while i just never picked it up till recently so i've got that and then i'm currently working on uh picking up a copy of Lormax. i think it's Lormax adventures of Lormax. i think is what it's called on the ps1 so there's a guy out here um out in phoenix that wants to trade for my ps1 complete in box and uh yeah he wants to trade for that game so i think i'm gonna do it might as well Mm. Yeah, I've got multiple PS1s with screens and... Adventures of Lomax. Lomax, Lomax, not Lormax. I'm thinking the Lorax. It's a mix between the Lomax and the Lorax. Lormax. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's what I got there. Um, I'll let you go into your currently playing because mine is going to take a while. Well, I mean, basically I played a little bit of the Swindle and I'm hoping to get back into Persona 4, which is kind of a shame because if anybody's been watching uh, all of the announcements and stuff that have been going on lately, there's been a few presentations. I personally watched some of the um, Guerrilla Collective. I watched a few hours of some of their presentations, and those were pretty good. There was some interesting-looking stuff in there that I want to check out. But uh, Persona 4 Golden is coming out, or is out now, on Steam. So it's like, well, I'm playing Persona, and I would love to be able to, like, participate, but I'm already in the middle of it. So it's like, I'm not going to go redo all the Persona-ing I've already done just to get it on Steam and play it on there instead. So I got to get back into my Vita and, and do that. But John, that's, uh, that's the last of what I have to say. Is that the last of what us have to say? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> So, last week I did pick up Last of Us 2, and last night I beat it. Uh, dude, it was... It's phenomenal. Like, all the BS that people are putting on Metacritic and Facebook forums and Reddit and everything else, they just don't understand the story. <laughs> you know, that, that's really what it comes down to. Or they just don't want to understand the story. Or they've got their ears so plugged up that they, you know, just don't want to really like go back and look at it and say, okay, this is art. Like it's truly what this is. So I had to, I finished it like 1am last night. I just kept going into it. And how much are you caring about spoilers? Oh, I don't care. You don't care about spoilers. How about you guys? Let us know. Yeah. Let us know. <laughs> so uh spoiler alert. Uh, and I will say it. spoiler alert, spoiler alert for last of us too. All right. So, you know, the whole thing with like Joel dying in the very beginning I mean, he's killed by Abby, right? And so Abby is this former Firefly. You don't really know who she is until you progress through the game. And so the way the game is set up is you played a part of Ellie after this whole thing of Abby killing Joel. And at that point, you have, unless you've seen spoilers, 
you have no idea why Abby's killed Joel and what's happened, right? You just know that you've been beat the crap out of and she kills Joel for golf club. Okay, like just beats him down to the ground for golf club, beats him to a pulp and that's it. They walk out, kick Abby and or uh, Ellie in the head. She's knocked out. You're done. So you go on this revenge path, right? With Dina, who is, you know, your your girlfriend at that point. So that's the first thing of what people hate, right? Oh, well, now I've got a lesbian protagonist and... You know, that's that whole group that doesn't People like are closed-minded and dumb. Yeah, so you've got that whole issue. Now, the other part that people hate is, oh, well, the, the advertisements that were out showed Joel being the one that was going to be working with Abby, or with Ellie, and saying, oh, you know, you thought I'd let you do this alone. Okay, cool. Like, I get that. Well, I mean, that's the same thing, like, uh, but it was Marvel more, loves yeah. to throw out fake trailer stuff. Like, you got to keep the public guessing. Especially yeah. since there was so much, like, all that footage that was released before the game even came out. Like, people couldn't avoid those spoilers. Well, I avoided them. I didn't know a single thing about the game. Well, but I mean, like, they fully released, like, all the cutscenes and stuff. So it's like, if they wanted to use some misleading advertising to try to, like, maybe make people think that they went back and made some changes, like, I don't think that's physically possible. That would take way too much work. Well, the misleading component that they're talking about is back in, I think, 2018, I want to say, is when they had the trailer shown. And it oh. had Joel covering Ellie's mouth. Oh, okay. And then, say, and then she turns around, she's like, what the hell are you doing here? And he says, oh, you think I'd let you do this alone? Well... In the game, it's actually another person from Jackson, Wyoming, uh, called Jesse, um, which is Dina, the girlfriend of Ellie. That's her former boyfriend. Mm. And so that's him at that point, right? And so uh, the issue that people have is, oh, well, they falsely advertised and they made you think that Joel was going to play the game. Okay, well, you know, that's at not the, what at false the line, advertising is. No, well, I mean, it could be. But at the, at the bottom of those trailers, typically, it says gameplay likely to change. Yeah. You know, something is likely to change. So Naughty Dog, from what I understand, did that on purpose. They put out this trailer with Joel, making you think that you get to play as Joel. Yeah. Well, the idea wasn't that there was going to be a ton of trailers or a ton of footage released, which would spoil the entire game for people, right? The thought would be, okay, we've got this character that's loved and everything. We're going to kill him, and you're going to go on a path of revenge for that you know, pseudo-father figure. So you do that, right? Everybody's pissed because they want to play as Joel. You know, I don't care. Like, I went into this knowing I'm going to play as Ellie, and Joel's probably going to be hanging back in Jackson. Well, it's not like, I mean, is there any difference in the play? No, no. It's not I mean, like they're, like, MOBA characters with, like, skill sets and stuff. They're, it's a basic third-person action game. I think it's more of a story that could have been, right? So having Joel and Ellie embark on this adventure for revenge. But when you think about it, why would they go on this adventure for revenge? Like, unless Tommy was killed, Joel's brother, or one of the other people was killed, maybe they embark on this journey to go get revenge, but that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would Ellie have all this hate filled in her if it was just a standard person? Unless, you know, her girlfriend was killed, but mm -hmm. why would the girlfriend be killed at that point? So... It had I, to be know, somebody. It had to be somebody, right? So who else would have given that type of hatred and disdain for somebody than Joel dying, which makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, obviously... Joel's dead. You go on this adventure and you go through the whole process killing off uh, who are called the WLF. So the Washington Liberation Front, I believe is what they were called. And uh, you pretty much go after them, killing all their all their people trying to get, you know, Abby trying to find her. So you end up going through the entire story, progressing as Ellie. You get to this aquarium where Abby is supposed to be. Meanwhile, you've killed numerous friends of hers, her friend Nora, her friend Leah, 
and you get to the aquarium and then you kill her friend Owen and Mel. And Owen is pretty much like an ex-boyfriend slash they just banged like the night before type of thing. And you end up killing them. You go back to where you're staying in this movie theater. Uh, all the meanwhile, Dean is pregnant, by the way, um, from Jesse. So they didn't know that. And you get back to this theater and, uh, you know, you're hanging out, you're talking, and then you hear like movement and gunshots and all this other stuff go down and people yelling. You hang out. Jesse gets shot in the face and Abby's sitting there with Tommy saying, don't fucking move and drop the weapon. And then it cuts and you go to play as Abby. Yeah. Okay. So, and here's the thing. People said, oh, well, I don't want to play as the person that killed Joel. All right. So after I played as Abby, I completely understood what was happening and why she killed Joel. So the reason she killed Joel is because Joel killed her dad in the first game. The mm. guy that was, um, did you, you played Last of Us 1, right? Not all of it. Not all of it. Okay. Come so on, John. At, at the end of Last of Us 1, uh, there's a doctor that says, hey, Ellie's here. We've got the cure with Ellie. We just got to, she has to unfortunately die. The host has to die for us to be able to find a cure for the cordyceps uh, plague that's pretty much destroyed the world. We can find a cure, but she has to die, unfortunately. We don't want to, but we have to. Joel finds out. And he ends up killing the dad, and then he runs off, right? So it starts off with Ellie um, seeing her dad with his throat slit and everything else, and then knowing it was Joel that did it. So her path at that point is a path of revenge. So you're playing her path of revenge to be able to, you know, obviously kill Joel yeah. and get what you want. So she does that. She goes off. She's like, okay, now things are fine. I've got my revenge. Well, Ellie obviously now doesn't have revenge, so that's why you play as her. Um, so really you understand like Abby was a firefly, Joel killed any possible case of this virus being destroyed, killed her father. And there's a reason for that anger and revenge, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I totally understand that. So you play as Abby and I honestly started to like Abby. Um, you know, a lot of people have issue apparently cause she's muscular and say, well, she's trans. Okay. Big deal. Like it's not an issue. There is a trans uh, scar in the game, which is via Seraphites, a religious group, mm -hmm. which kind of have a major play in the game in that they're just this outside group that is at war with the wolves. So there's all this turmoil going on there. And you learn about all these backstories. So it's not like these are pieces of game that are just tossed in to add gameplay. Like there's actual story components here, like utilizing the the scars uh you have two lev and uh, yara that you meet along the way that save abby from being killed mm -hmm. right so she ends up joining with them and you could see abby's emotions throughout the game and see that she's a real person she's not an asshole all she was doing is exactly what ellie did you know seek revenge so that's really what it comes down to in that part you've got two characters who are essentially the same type of person coming from different worlds and going along the same path, that's all it's showing in this game. So it's a deep understanding of, you know, we're all kind of from the same cloth. You're enacting revenge. I'm going for revenge. Like, that's really what it comes down to. And so I enjoyed it. It was a super deep story. You get to see both sides of, you know, both sides of it, right? Abby's side and Ellie's side. How they both, like, you know, their, uh, their destinies intertwined, essentially. And I'll... I'll talk about the ending here a little bit in that a lot of people are saying, oh, well, it's too long. It's like six hours too long. Well, you know, the way it really ends after like the scene with Jesse dying is you pretty much um, go your separate ways. Essentially, they're just like Abby 
kills off pretty much everybody but Dean on her and says, all right, I never want to see you again. And she leaves like she beats the crap out of Ellie. Ellie's on the verge of death. She pulls off and says, never want to see you again. And then she leaves and goes off to Santa Barbara, California, where she thinks some former fireflies off. And that's it. Ellie goes back to Wyoming. She has a farm with Dina. Everything's fine. Ellie still wants revenge, goes off, you know, and this is a point where people are saying, oh, well, it could have ended right there, right? No, because there's PTSD. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Ellie still feels there's unfinished business. She goes off to try and kill Abby. And it that's kind of where it goes, right? It's just their stories intertwine again. It gets to a point where Ellie actually saves Abby, um, beats the crap out of her again. Uh, but it's it's just this crazy, like, and during all of that, by the way, you're seeing flashbacks to Joel and you're seeing like an argument that occurred. So there's like frustration, anger. So Ellie's pretty much saying within those flashbacks, I hate you and, you know, I don't need your help. I don't want to see you again, like all these different things. And so you're frustrated because you're thinking, wow, those are the last words she said to this guy before he got murdered in front of her. And she never got to see and say another word to him during that time. And they have all these crazy flashbacks. So you've got like, this depression of like, those are the last words I said to my pseudo father. There's so much more I could have done. Um, you know, if I would have gone on a different path, what could have happened? So you have all these questions being raised in your head about this. And I've never had a game that it was just frustration, anger, depression, like everything all at one time, all these emotions coming out at one point in time for a game. And that was in this game. So uh, I'll kind of end it there. Uh, you know, hopefully nobody jumped in the middle of spoilers on that, but, uh, you know, overall, um, and we should probably mark it down. What does that say? 1740. So I'll put on there. If you want to skip last of the spoilers, 17 or 18 minutes go into it. Uh, but I would say overall, uh, my score would be like a nine out of 10 on this game. So there was a little jankiness sometimes on controls or situations where you can't go back once you've passed something. Um, you know, versus other games where it's like maybe you can go back and you have an opportunity. Sometimes it'll like you'll slip down a, a slope and you can't get back up. And you're like, well, crap, I wanted to explore that building. I didn't realize that this was going to progress. It was just me. a one way. Yeah. So there were situations like that. And then, you know, the more I thought about the story, uh, you know, and what occurred, the more I realized, like, would I have liked to have seen the other scenario, right? And not played as that secondary character? Maybe, but. I think overall, like the overall experience that I had was totally worth it. And I think it's a nine out of 10. So it lives totally. up to all the praise. You don't think that it's some kind of conspiracy or anything. Well, so I mean, there's what a conspiracy about... against it. People downvoting no, yeah, it and for sure. review bombing. But yeah, overall, I think it's a great game. Like it's game of the are... year. No, God, no. I don't think it's game of the year. I mean, it's fantastic, but I'm going to wait for Ghost of Tsushima to come out or Tsushima. And we'll see how that goes. Um, I can say from a, a narrative aspect, it's definitely fantastic. But, you know, it's Last of Us. It's the same. It's basically the same concept of the first game. It's not like it's anything game breaking. It's the continuation of a story that we liked or, or loved, really. And I don't see it being game of the year. Could it win it? Yeah. But it wouldn't be my game of the year. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. All right, that was a long time. Yeah, well, moving on, we've got uh, no E3 this year, as we're all knowingly disappointed with. Uh, I always love every year being able to sit down, 
watch all the conferences, take notes on all the games that look really good this year and what's coming out and get all excited with everybody, you know, see people walking around the floor and cosplay and showing off, you know, all the cool booths and stuff that they set up. It's a great time. Brings people together. We're not allowed to be together right now. Well, we, for now we are, but you know, still be careful while you're out there. There's uh, even you and I are six feet apart right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, this year E3 faces an uncertain future as publishers pull away from gaming event. This is uh, by Tyler Hersko at IndieWire, and I would say that you know E3 is. He says it really good later on in the article here that uh, the companies don't need E3. The industry, the industry does. Uh, E3 puts the industry in the spotlight for a week every year. And, you know, that's kind of the highlight, I think. People that don't even game regularly have heard of E3. And even though it's not the same type of conference like they go into the article talking about, you know, E3 started as a way for, uh, you know, distributors and stores to get together and be like, Hey, you know, here's all the stuff that's going to be coming out this year. These are all the new titles and stores would like be able to hook up with people so that they could place orders and do all that stuff. Well, it, everything's changed. Like games come out year round, big titles come out year round. Like, Yes, there is still, like, the big holiday bust and, you know, like, all the releases, like this year's Xbox One Series X and the PS5. Those will be out this holiday season. So we got to know what's going on. And uh, people are still making attempts. Uh, You know, Sony's done at least... Several types of conferences yeah, several like different virtual co- things yeah they did the one the ps5 reveal a few weeks ago where they showed off a bunch of games uh xbox has done you know a few presentation things here and there nintendo does their usual yeah. monthly or quarterly nintendo thing mm-hmm. so there was some cool announcements in that uh I mean, the gorilla s- collective had a whole bunch of stuff that they showed off so companies don't really need e3 like they can show all this stuff off all on their own and i mean really like you could take it to another level like even though they have like the demo booths and stuff at e3 showing off future games and stuff that would have been so great for this year if they had like here's like if they had e3 going on this year there would be people either in there or somewhere behind closed doors there playing the new console playing the new game getting like their idea of what this is actually going to be so those things can't really happen in a world without e3 but you could totally be like oh new nintendo conference here's a demo that's going to be available to download and everybody can play because it's like a lot of the times you go to like e3 or something and you wait in line for hours and hours and you're only going to get one game to play that day because the lines are going to be too long and you're just you're not going to spend much of your time actually being able to play those cool demos or at least not many of them. So there's a lot of give and take. I personally love the live E3 and I'm going to miss it if it doesn't come back or if this like, you know, the lack of Sony wanting to be there at all. Uh, you know, well, EA hasn't been there since I think 2016, and 
Uh, Sony's obviously backed out. Nintendo seems to be going down that path too, if not. Well, Nintendo going... hasn't been That's doing true. live shows since 2013. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those situations that I think we've all learned that we can do things virtually and it's not a big issue, like especially something like this, because you and I, as general consumers, uh, when it comes to something like the E3 conference, I've been watching E3 for years. Online. So, yeah, online. Yeah. So for me, it doesn't matter. From the company perspective of Sony, Xbox, and Nintendo, or Microsoft, really, it doesn't matter for them either because they're consistently going to be able to show their stuff virtually. And in this day and age, it doesn't hurt to do that. And even from the E3 perspective, I think it's more of, and you've already kind of said it, the industry needs it, right? So those small indie developers uh, or up-and-coming developers or just like Naughty Dog who doesn't necessarily need to have, uh, they're not going to have a virtual conference. Who's going to tune in for a 30-minute, 40-minute session of, you know, let's just say back then, of Last of Us 2? Like, why would I sit back to watch one game? Like, I want to see a trailer. I want to see a little bit of talk about it, five, ten minutes, and then move on to the next. Yeah. Like what Sony typically does. And so I think that's pretty cool. And I think that the industry as a whole is evolving and it's moving to a point where we're going to have more virtual events. E3 may not be in person. And if it is, maybe it's a smaller, you know, developers conference. I mean, we already have like a developers conference, but you know, something that's just pure trailers, demos for consumers, and maybe not necessarily press being invited or not invited, but you know, being a big outlet for press to come see behind the scenes, you know, the new Xbox in person. Yeah. Those, uh, those have changed it a lot. I would assume that like uh, people that are content creators on like YouTube or other podcasters or or people who are high enough up there to be able to get those invites to those backroom, you know, shows and stuff like that's an industry that's like really bloomed in, you know, the wake of kind of the fall of E3, you know, as E3 declined, they were able to open it up to the public and have some of those public faces in there that are really able to broadcast that message out in their own way and get even more hype and people generated because they know that they're going to be, you know, passionate in talking about it and that they already have a built-in audience. Yeah, so I guess the real question is, can you do that on a virtual scale? Can you have, instead of, like, the Final Fantasy VII demo, you know, which was online, obviously, but, you know, can you just do that have a virtual e3 and have a slew of games like demos available during the virtual e3 conference where you can watch the live presentations where you can play the demos you know as they've come out and you don't have to spend the money to go out to california or you know get a hotel and deal with all the the hustle and bustle in the crowds out there could you do all this from the comfort of your home and i I think the honest answer is yes e3 really isn't needed in person well and not it was not a public event for a long time so i think that it could also potentially evolve back into more of a niche event where potentially you get more you know small room conferences get some of those insiders back in there and make them the main focus instead of all this elaborateness for the public so it, who knows where the future will be for e3 who knows what will be happening for others? Uh, it says here Comic-Con is going to be going virtual this year, and I would never go to Comic-Con anyways because that's just way too many people. 
But it's like, for me, the point of going to like Comic-Con or I've been to Anime Expo a couple times, like doing that is to get the merch, man. Going for the merch. Yeah, exactly. You can't do that online. No, that's true. That's true. Well, I mean, you could do a virtual store, but then you run into issues of it's not people the same scalping. as like merch. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, okay, so the next piece we have is you know talking about virtual is Square Enix is going to be announcing several games uh, within July and August. So we could be pretty quick on this one. I know we're running a little short on time today, but uh, you know some of the games we've already seen. Well, we've only seen one, right? So Project Athea, uh, which was or supposed to be an exclusive that was announced for PS5. Uh, honestly, I'm not sure what they're going to show outside of maybe a new IP that we've never seen. Uh, Final Fantasy 16, I think, I want to say 15 was released in 2016, if I'm correct. Yes. So seeing Final Fantasy 16, any sort of news on that, you know, it would make sense for them to release that. And then any new trailers on uh, the second part of final fantasy remake you know are we gonna see it turned into just three or are we gonna see it split into five episodes and there's been speculation on that over the years i think three would be a, a good number for them uh to release that it'd be solid that's then, how many discs they had in the original exactly right? yeah yeah exactly so i think if they stick to that they'll be fine um you know they might have to split this two at some point because i don't disc three wasn't very large it was more exploratory mm-hmm. um that was your golden chocobo yeah, and your knights of the round knights and your final rounds. battle with sephiroth yeah getting the all materia emerald weapons all that type of stuff um so yeah i could totally see final fantasy 7 remake uh maybe another final fantasy remade like eight or nine nine would be interesting if they I remade love nine. that yeah so i could see them doing something like that and of course they have the new uh rhythmic you know kingdom hearts game uh kingdom hearts melody of memory yeah so some i think it's a rhythm based game if i'm correct so uh that is another title that they'll probably show a little more of of course just um fueling the kingdom hearts fire they did show off some hitman at the last at the sony event right is that square enix still Uh, square enix did the last hitman game i thought they did the last tomb raider game i don't recall it being hitman I'm not entirely sure on that. Well, uh, while Ryan looks it up, you can correct us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And, uh, of course, catch the episodes and comment on there, too. We have uh, comments on thegamedeflators.com, so you can plug in, a, plug in some info on there, uh, you know, telling us how we're wrong on Hitman. And, of course, on it's the uh, podcast IOI Interactive. Yeah, I knew it wasn't Square Enix. Uh, yeah, so anything that you would want to see from square enix um, during their virtual thing i know that i saw something the other day saying that final fantasy crystal chronicles is gonna have like a free mode or something so i guess i'd like to i haven't done any research on that so that might already all be talked about but i did like that i don't know i don't necessarily think that there needs to be like more final fantasy remakes i don't know that that would really get me excited i don't really know what i want from square i still haven't finished you know final fantasy 7 remake the part one i want a new star ocean i don't know what i want i think that i just want maybe maybe just something about final fantasy 16 maybe being less of like a a crazy you know future cyber dystopia like they've kind of been i would love to go back to something more like 
of Final Fantasy IX with a little more of the put the the fantasy back in the Final Fantasy. Like, get me some more like wizard-looking dudes. Get me some castles and stuff like that. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Uh, you know, that's one of the issues I've also had with the uh, the Final Fantasy games as of late. They're a little too realistic. I would love that. Just too futuristic for me. Like, I I want to see like I would love to see like a crazy good Final Fantasy that's like back to its roots collecting the crystals yeah you know of the elements and just like let's see what that would look like if it was like a real good actual story true uh you know another one before we move into our our next article here i would like to see illusion of gaia get remade Mm. have you ever played that one no i haven't so that was an nx game but obviously square enix um it was on the super nintendo so I don't know if it's one of those situations where it would only be able to get released oh, on Marvel's Nintendo. Oh, Marvel's Avengers. We'll probably see some of that, I'm betting. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw a trailer on that recently. It looked pretty good. So, yeah, uh, tell us in the comments, you know, what you would want to see from Square. And, um, you know. Or maybe uh, more near. Oh, yeah, near would actually be another one. That was pretty successful in its own right. It wasn't like a blockbuster hit selling Chrono out Chrono Trigger 2. Okay, I don't know about that. Well, that's that's just Chrono, Chrono Cross. Cross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Chrono Trigger 3. Okay. Our next piece here is uh, PS5 mammoth size revealed in alleged factory photo. So, okay, if you haven't seen this picture, we're definitely tweeting this picture out. It's got to be Photoshopped. In, no, I don't think it's Photoshopped. I think that these might not be the tallest gentlemen in the world. Like, just looking from the picture, I would say that. But, I mean... Still, the size of that thing is way bigger, like... It's like the size of my desktop. Consoles <laughs> consoles are obviously, you know, some of the bigger pieces of hardware that we have hooked up to our television sets. You know, they're generally bigger than, like, a DVD player or something. And but... they're very, very loud. Well, and they're, us- they're usually designed to, like, fit well within that space... This doesn't read to me like it's going to fit anywhere. Like, I don't have a shelf that this is going to go on and not either take up the whole shelf or hang off a shelf. Yeah. Like, it, it's going to cause people to have to redesign their living rooms to accommodate for this monstrosity. And I feel more confident than ever in waiting for the slim version. That's exactly where I'm at, too, man, because that thing is huge. I don't know where I'd put it. Get ready to not hear about any new games for a while, folks. <laughs> I mean, We're bringing you all the brand newest content from pre-2020. The only other option would be if I went digital on this thing and had it like on top of my entertainment center to where it could still breathe and not be in sight of anything. And just like the Bluetooth com- component was how I did everything. Yeah, But I don't like digital. And the games on digital never go on sale. And when they do, it's no, they like, do. well, yeah, but what I'm saying is like right now, if you tried to pick up a digital copy of, say, like Halo, OK, and I'm just saying theoretical newest Halo, you could probably get a used copy for, say, 15 bucks and then you could get a digital copy, brand new digital copy, $50. Like, yeah, the new prices never drop. digitally. Yeah. You can go to Best Buy right now and find a bunch of digital games and they're all super high priced. Compared to new copies in other places on like Amazon or, you know, eBay or anything like that, or a used copy, which is even cheaper. So digital, I hate, but if it got to that point where I had to hide this thing, 
I would probably do the digital console, to be honest. I will say, though, um, in response to the giant PS5, seeing the tiny Xbox Series X is kind of interesting. Like, I kind of think that that's, like, way interesting, actually, that they came out with this, like, small... What is it? Like, a gray? Yeah, it's like a little white console or something. It's, like, half the size. Yeah, and it's, like... That's, I've seen articles saying 200 bucks. Yeah, and that would be like the all digital. Like, if that's all true, like. Watch out, Sony, at that point. Well, if it came out for 200 bucks, maybe even 250, like, just to be able to get on board with, like, the new tech and be a part of the hotness, like, I would probably buy a $200 all digital Xbox One Series X mini cube. And then just wait on the PS5 to get like well, and slim it. and and you do the half... game the Games Pass thing yeah so like because twenty it bucks be... a month and play whatever you want it would be just so much more affordable and it would just be a way to take advantage of the new technology without having to wait five years yeah exactly so I that's definitely something I never thought that I would say but seeing the two consoles now and understanding like that I don't want to pay $600 for an ugly PS5 that I'm going to want to replace eventually anyways. Like, I would be way more prudent just going the other way. Like, I've missed out on the Xbox One. Like, I have no idea what the good games are, and... I mean, honestly, it's only, like, 40 million people that have had the Xbox One. It's had terrible sales compared to the other two consoles out in the market. Yeah, but there's hardly anything, like, outside of God of War... There's not anything that I've played or that I own that's really console exclusive to just Horizon PS5. Horizon Zero Dawn would be one. The but just one. for me. Just oh, for, for me, I'm saying that like I could have gotten almost the same value out of an Xbox One as I got out of my PS4. PS4. And it's like, I know that it's not going to be that way for the PS5, but it might be worth the wait. And it might even be worth it to go back and be able to pick up on everything from the previous generation with the Game Pass. Makes sense. Okay, uh, moving on, dude. Uh, We'll close out this week's episode with our inflation deflation of IGPX Immortal Grand Prix. Uh, This was developed by Stingco and uh, Namco Bandai Games, published by Namco Bandai Games, released in September of 2006. It is a racing game, although it is much more than just a racing game. And the reception is a 55 out of 100. I think that was Metacritic. Yeah. And uh, we couldn't even, yeah. I couldn't even find a wiki that had all the info on this. I had to go to Metacritic for most it's of this super, and read in the manual. Super obscure game for sure. Um, but, you know, Ryan, I did not have a whole lot of fun with this game. It was like there was, it was a love hate relationship, right? So, like, the visuals were really cool. Graphically, it was awesome. The music was really cool in this game. The art style, I love that anime type of gameplay. And the voice acting was actually good too. But the game itself just left a lot to be desired. So, you know, going through, you think, oh, we're racing and there might be some battle mechanics. No, it's like, it's the weirdest thing. You've got like a forward, a defensive person, and then uh, another position. I don't remember. You got a A forward, a a middle forward, and a defender. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like pseudo hockey in a sense. So you've got these three racers going through in their mechs. Uh, which are just kind two of teams like, of three. Yeah, two teams of three, and they're battling each other to try and you know win the race and place one through six. And of course, there's points tied to how much damage you deal uh, to your opponents. Uh, also, how you place within the rankings issues you points. And the game itself, while it's cool visually, 
it's not that great in my opinion it's not it's a very interesting licensed tie-in game to yeah. an interesting franchise and a very niche like franchise like how many people do you know that watched this particular anime series so i don't know i was super excited for this i was a toonami kid i watched all the toonamis that i could get my hands on and when i heard that they were making their own show i got super pumped for it i definitely remember watching this show i remember being excited for this show and i remember the show being okay yeah but and the game itself is pretty much okay like i feel like I feel like there's some more to this game. I feel like this game would definitely have held my attention at 2006 playing it like alongside with watching the show. Like I probably would have had a way better time and I would have had more patience to learn the nuances and stuff. But as it stands, the, uh, the way the game plays out, you have, uh, three laps. The first lap, you just kind of decide on how aggressive and how you want your racers to play so literally the race starts you don't even have control of your characters and you just see them going around the lap and you're just adjusting some bars with some waves to try to determine like how aggressive your team is going to be versus combat and racing and then once you select that then you go into like the actual like racing fighting mode for a lap and you just kind of you have no idea where you really are on the track you have no idea like well there's a progress bar on the bottom but it's oh, not a very okay. it's not a very good progress yeah, bar. it's, it's literally not... just like the old mario kart where it's like oh look yeah it's you progressing. don't feel like you're racing really at any point besides the very very end like for the most part you're kind of wailing on each other and it seems like you can just come and go as you want like there's not really like in a racing game like you're flooring it you're trying to keep top speed, and as long as you keep top speed without screwing up, people aren't going to be able to catch up to you unless they're going faster than you are. That's not really the case in this. You're just kind of all moving at the same speed, and even if you get knocked down, you kind of get dragged along with it, and even if you boost up ahead, once your boost meter runs up and the other person boosts up, they're going to catch up to you no matter what. So the racing aspect doesn't really exist here. No, it doesn't, and that's really what's disappointing, because you go in this thinking, racing game, like, we gotta play yeah. this, and it's futuristic, and it's really cool. It really isn't, and... It's an interesting genre match to try to combine yeah. combat and racing, but it's just, it it's too forgiving. Yeah. It doesn't feel like there's any real stakes in, like, you don't really suffer for the combat in terms of where you're gonna finish the race, it doesn't seem like, and the... the scoring system is totally like if you kill one of the other team's mechs you'll be able to get a bunch more points but it's like the first place gets like 15 points and then second got like seven points so it's like you could destroy one of the other person's mech and as long as two of them still finish in first like you're not going to get enough points to beat them yeah it's a it's a super weird game and honestly it it misses a mark it really does it totally misses the mark but let's so, get down to it yeah, so uh, complete in box, we're looking at eleven seventy four on this. It peaked back in June twenty seventeen at twenty four ninety nine. That price is holding, and in loose seven forty nine peaked at ten seventy nine in September of twenty seventeen, and that one's trending down. So, overall, are you uh, inflated, deflated, or just right on the complete in box copy? You know, I'm gonna say that I would buy this game just for like. The nostalgia of what it is because I'm a huge fan of where this game came from and like 
what its context is. And I would almost be willing to play like it to try to get a feel for what you can actually do and see if it ever picks up. Like, I think it would be interesting, but I find it hard to think that like, like, would you pay $12 to enjoy this game? Knowing that you were going to like physically play this game. Would you pay 12 bucks? I mean, I would, but I don't think anybody should. I think that you probably shouldn't pay more than 10 bucks for this. So I'm going to go even lower I'm going to say this is a bargain bin $5 game. Oh, really? I I mean, it you wouldn't even No, it's not it's not that good of a game. And I mean, honestly, if we progress further, maybe, but it doesn't But what about its what about its its nicheness? You know, even like, with the nicheness. Like there can't be a ton of this game. Well, yeah, I mean, from a rarity or uncommon standpoint, maybe. But, you know, at the same point, it has to be kind of good too, right? Like Rule of Rose is an expensive game. But it's playable and it has a story. Kuon, it's playable. It has a story. It's rare, right? While this may be uncommon, is it good? Not really. I mean, I've kind of ragged on games like How to Color a Dinosaur, Color a Dinosaur, whatever it is on NES. Like, it's not a game that you would actively want to have in your collection for like. You're saying it's a bucks. sports game. It, yeah, it's basically a sports game. It's a sports game. It's pretty game. much a sports it, game. It doesn't deserve any more than whatever, because it's never going to be better than. Like, there's not ever going to be any nuances about it that are going to stand out over a better in-class game that's just more modern. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and this is not one I would pay anything more than five bucks for. If I saw it at a Goodwill right now for five bucks, yeah, I'd buy it. But if I saw it at a retro store for 12 or 15, no way in hell am I touching that. All right. So So super inflated for John. Super inflated for me, inflated for Ryan. So it's inflated. Uh, All right, so that really kind of concludes the episode this week. But, uh, Ryan, I know we've got some special episodes we want to do in the future here. Didn't have time to take the audio issues initially. But I'm thinking next week, uh, let me check really quick on the shelf. So you tell the people where they can find us. Hey, everybody, you can find us at thegamedeflators.com. You can find us at Facebook and Instagram at thegamedeflators. You can find us on Twitter at gamedeflators. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast uh, applications or uh, streaming services, Apple, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Spotify, all that good stuff. Listen to us. Give us some six-star reviews if you can. We know it's hard to do, but if you if you do it, we'll appreciate it. We'll settle for five. I was hoping I had Kinetica for next week, but I don't, so I might have to buy that. Mm. I got to check the collection. Uh, I think we should play a PS4 game next week. A PS4 game? Yeah, dude, I've got so many PS4 games I picked up recently, so let's play a PS4 game. We'll figure it out next week on the Game Deflators podcast. So, um... Again, this has been episode 86 of our podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thank you for listening.